The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome to Three Yards Per Caddy, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry. It is the middle of August, the dark dog days of training camp. The Dolphins have played a game. They've got another game to come. They've got some joint practices with the Houston Texans. I am Simon Clancy, as always. Uh, I'm joined, as always, again, by Alfredo Arteaga. Alf, and uh, dialing in straight from Rikers Island uh, is Chris Cawthorn. Sounds like he's talking through a balaclava. Before we get into that, before we do the intros, the show is brought to you by prize picks use promo code 5FIVE and get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit also by better edge go to betteredge.com forward slash five reasons and get $20 just for signing up it's literally free cash uh, and finally by our friends at SKD studios shop designer furniture lighting accessories and more if you're moving house they're the perfect people you need online at skdstudios.com forward slash shop remember Oh, I was about to read, remember to throw the break halfway through, which is the line that I was supposed to do in the middle of the show. There you go. We'll just crash through that absolute disaster. Gentlemen, how are we? Welcome to the show. Christopher, good to speak to you. Yeah, nice to uh, to speak to you from apparently Rikers Island, where they hand out balaclavas uh, for you know, for sport. <laughs> the most serious uh, the most serious criminals are balaclavaed up to do podcasts. I think it's the only way they allow it. It's it's even worse than uh, it's even worse than isolation. Yeah, I bet I bet Alf all well in your world. Well, considering that that you know yesterday the worst thing that ever happened to the franchise of the Miami Dolphins happened yesterday. Uh, I'm doing as well as you can be doing since you know calamity has struck the fan base once again. Yes, yeah, stupid people climbed out of the woodwork in their droves over the last 24 hours since the Dalvin Cook news was reported. I mean. I you, you remember that film um, with Haley Joel Osment where uh, Bruce Willis where he talked about seeing dead people. I mean, I see dumb people uh, everywhere. Social media has been. I mean, it is Twitter is a bona fide cesspit now. Um, now that the algorithms change, but fuck me, the last twenty four hours has been absolutely unbelievable in terms of people like talking absolute bullshit about you know i had this guy's the top three running back of the league he's an elite running back he's this he's that he puts us over the edge he puts us over the top it's like Walter Payton. guys he's, well he's getting eight to ten carries a game if you know at, at absolute max you know and then like the jets fans who are like oh you know this is a guaranteed super bowl well i'm not sure it is but fucking hell like all fan bases are stupid but christ we've got a fair old selection of idiots in ours as well so <laughs> yes 
But yeah, I mean, I'm glad it's over, really. I'm glad, look, the running back room is, yeah, people are like, oh, most it gets injured. Most it, I mean, he had 200 carries last year at 4.9 yards a carry. He's not that injured, you know? Um, I mean, I even had somebody go, oh, they got most at Wilson. Um, they got most at Wilson. And uh, perhaps this new guy might be, uh, might be okay. It's like, sorry, what? This new guy? I mean, come on! Can we be serious? No, I mean, my favorite. I, my, my favorite is one guy asked me yesterday, "What are we going to do when Mostert, Wilson, and A Chain are hurt, and we have to resort to starting Miles Gaskin in the AFC Championship game?" And I responded with, "Like, we're getting to the AFC Championship game with Miles Gaskin. <laughs> this team is yeah, pretty damn but, good." But also, like, do do people think that like Dalvin Cook's suddenly going to get twenty five carries a game for the Jets? I mean. That's absolutely not going to happen. He's going to back up Brees Hall. He may start early in the season because of Brees Hall's ACL recovery. But Hall came off PUP yesterday with 27 days to go into the start of the season. I, I just, you know, Michael Carter's going to get carries. I just don't, you know. the reason. There's a, a simple reason that the Dolphins did not increase their offer by a single dollar at any point during this process. And a reason why Dalvin Cook stayed unsigned for almost three months by every team in the NFL. I mean... <sighs> I, I just, it, it's like, it, it's not like prime Barry Sanders came on the market and we didn't sign him. You know, it's a very strange, fans are very strange. And I genuinely think that a lot of people that are talking about Dalvin Cook literally have either seen highlights on TikTok or it's just reputational. I don't actually think they in any way sit and study games it's, whatsoever. Which it's I, fantasy football. It's uh, it's yeah, people that I, I think that... it's it's definitely the curse of fantasy football. That's a very good point. It, and I'm, look, I'm not trying to be. I'm not trying to be. Uh, people have busy lives and they can't see those games. And they're not, you know. But some of it, I I just think I I I get the disappointment. Right? I just don't really understand the 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 sky is falling. We haven't played a game yet. It's just like I mean, somebody messaged me to say, "Oh, we've we literally gone from thirteen and three to eight and eight. <laughs> it's just like what by not signing. Uh, a declining running back. Are we serious? Yeah, yeah I mean, it just blows my mind. Yeah, but but it's not only it's not only the fans. Some of the beat have have lost their minds because we have a a, a we we are currently going through a plague, uh, and those are that's a direct word, uh, direct quote, a plague of injuries. Good thing we don't have to play I, a I, game for like a month. All right. <laughs> right, right. I, I don't know about you. I don't know about you, Devils, but I think the season is over, and I am wearing yeah. my Dalvin Cook autographed balaclava right now, yeah. and uh, and I am beside myself. Like, we, we, I've got, I've got, I'm having messages back and forth with with beat writers today talking about how, um, well, the team doesn't look very good, and it, you know, I said that I, I said something on Twitter last night about how the Dolphins were loaded, as in they've got a loaded team, best team in twenty years, uh, and then a particular beat writer essentially just went off on one about how we weren't loaded we weren't this we weren't that we are you know the training camp you know the, the team doesn't look good i'm like dude install is happening across 32 different teams in the league which teams do you think are sitting there thinking everything's rosy in the gut i can literally go from team to team to team and go well it's not this is not really working very well in buffalo and this is not really working very well in New Orleans, and they're unhappy about wide receivers in kansas city and that this and that and Fucking hell, it's it's, it's so tiring. At you times. know what's my favorite? So my favorite are are the the stat compilers in uh, during training camp, like uh, and and it happens in our fan base, okay. But I saw one guy today say, "Well, Aaron Rodgers was eight for twenty in practice today, and he had two interceptions." I know he did eight <laughs> for twenty. Aaron Rodgers is coming home. Eight for twenty. 
It's like he clearly he clearly forgot how to play ball. Fucking hell. <laughs> Although in Aaron Rodgers' case, wouldn't you like think that it's a possibility that he would go into one of his like you know one of his special trips and literally come out having forgotten how to play ball? <laughs> That's like, a possibility. Yes, it is. You know, there's there, psychotropics are are can 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 do some weird things to you. Yeah, not eight for twenty in one pick though. <laughs> not that bad. Well, we'll blame we'll right. blame that on the ayahuasca. Exactly. Let's get off this uh, dirty little subject of the New York Jets and Dalvin Cook. Good luck to them. They have a good team, and uh, I'm sure they'll be very happy finishing third in the AFC East. Let us turn to our team, the Miami Dolphins, and we'll start. Let's start with the game last week. Obviously, practice is about to start over the next few days with the Houston Texans. Looking forward to reuniting D'Amico Ryan's and Mike McDaniel. Said very nice things about one another. Um, be a good test for CJ Stroud uh, and be a good test for for our uh, boys, especially going up against some of those young pups on defense that they've got um, in the secondary. We remember Jalen Petrie talking about how much he liked playing, or Jalen Waddle, sorry, talking about how much he liked Jalen Petrie. Uh, Waddle, obviously, from Houston, so it'd be good to get down there and get some some live reps ahead of the game. But what do we make of the game against the Atlanta Falcons the other night? First of all, from an offensive point of view, Chris, what did you, I know that you've been grinding the tape as uh as people like to say how have you found it what did you see what were your takeaways overall first of all before we sort of dig through the dig through the leaves of um of each of the units how did you sense what was going on in that game against the falcons well i think first off you know in a preseason game especially the per- first preseason game if you're looking for the team's success then you're probably looking at the wrong thing because you don't really need the team to have success you just need the guys that you're actually going to need during the season to um, not be terrible. So um, I think that uh, there's a little bit of, there's obviously some, a mixed bag on that front. Nobody, nobody seems to be very happy with the quarterbacks, right. And, um, and what they, what Mike White or uh, Skylar Thompson showed during the game. Um, I thought that there were some extenuating circumstances and some, and some um, in some respects with those two, but, uh, but still, you do want them to have better showing than this, and you know that's that's obviously a little bit of dis- disappointment. But on the other hand, okay, well, uh, the young offensive linemen looked better, I think, than they did last year. Uh, the last time we saw Austin Jackson was against the Houston Texans in the re- regular season, and he was he was awful in that game, just just really bad. Um, he came out in this and you know, it's not very many snaps and, and there's still, there's still problems, but he clearly had a better game and he clearly um, is doing some things better than he did a year ago. Um, I think that even Liam Eikenberg, as much as he's been panned throughout training camp uh, and such by people who, you know, who kind of do this, this meta analysis of, of different camp reports and then they kind of read into it and, and start making statements that even the people that were in camp didn't actually say, you know, that, that those people are, have been panning Liam Eikenberg. I thought he was, I thought he was better in this game than I saw him at any point last year. Um, so Chris, what do you put that down to then? Do you, is this, you know, early doors, of course, early days, do we put this down to a Butch Barry, you know, in terms of what well, he's teaching? And if it is Butch Barry, what is he teaching that's different to almost every other offensive line coach that we've had since, the, the the Kennedy administration essentially. 
Well, that's the thing. We don't know if we can put it to, to Butch Berry. What, what we can say is that there are four linemen, four young linemen in the game, particularly, and then we include Robert Jones, who had an outstanding game. Um, and then uh, and then Keon Smith, who was unrecognizable to me. Uh, I've, I have trashed this guy so often on this show. And, uh, and, and now I have to apologize for it because he was, uh, he was, he was outstanding, uh, in the game. And I, I just couldn't recognize him, but you do have four young linemen that were here a year ago. And look, some of them look almost unrecognizable and others just look, you know, kind of incrementally better. And I don't know if that's Butch Berry, but you know, clearly there, there must be some coaching going you know, there must you, be some. Who do you list those four then? Smith, Lamb, Jones, and Cotton, or is that who are your four that you're talking about? The Just four, the four that were clearly, the four that were clearly better, I think, were uh, were first uh, Robert Jones and Keon Smith, yeah. um, but then also Austin Jackson was marginally was incrementally better than certainly than the last time we saw him in the Houston Texans regular season game, um, and Liam Eikenberg was better than what we generally saw last year as well. So, um, you know, Lester Cotton, I guess we can call him a young guy. Um, he's been in the league for a couple of years, um, but he really only spent, you know, it's hard to get a beat on him because if you think about it, like he, he really only spent like three weeks on the Dolphins practice squad. And then all of a sudden he's thrust into the Buffalo pre, uh, playoff game. Right. And, um, and so it's hard to really get a beat on what he was last year to even begin with, to say whether he was better or worse in this game. Um, I, I thought he showed. I, I don't know what you think, Simon, but I thought he showed some some issues still in pass protection. Uh, he's clearly limited in um, in in how much range he's going to show that way. Um, yeah, it's just a, for me. It's an athletic. It's a movie player, feat kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, otherwise solid player, but you know, clearly the limitations there. Um, do you think? Uh, I certainly saw that you were um, advocating potentially. Uh, moving uh, Connor Williams to left guard to put in Alama Ula Ave into centre. Oh yeah. For... yeah. No, that, that wasn't was, you. That 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 no that's that, that's <laughs> me because um, I just want I, I'm in for the tank. I want that number one pick next year, and uh, and so I, I think that if we get if we get Alama Ula Ave to play every snap this year, then we're in for it. We got we we nailed it. We got the number one pick. It's some it, uh, listeners. I am joking, Chris absolutely did not say that um it's more uh, uh and look it's not um uh, it's not alarma's fault at all uh, the nfl is probably a stretch too far for uh his ability um but you know try not to be overcritical but alpha it, it's interesting isn't it because we know that the offensive line is you know can be a bit of a festering mess and we're very dependent on Teron Armstead's health, but we have good players in Connor Williams and in Rob Hunt. But we also know that there's two spots that are up for grabs, but it feels like Austin Jackson is nailed down right tackle. And it kind of feels like it's moving towards Isaiah Wynn. But actually, for the first time in a few years, it does feel like there's 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 three or four sort of younger players. That's a Robert Jones, that's a Smith. That's maybe a Lester Cotton that you could, you know, look, he started a playoff game against the Buffalo Bills. Um, mm. But also that, that's Kendall Lamb. Um, and I think, you know, I, I think that um, Ryan Hayes has shown a little bit of ability to the point where maybe he doesn't make the 53, but you think he's probably going to become a practice squad player. And I, and I think it's really important for the Dolphins. You look, and we've talked about them before, but you look at a team like the Green Bay Packers who have a history of drafting really well on the offensive line. Um, 
you know, they're in a situation now where Josh Nyman, who started for a season and a half at left tackle, who we talked about coming in and being a right tackle for us and trading for him, is not going to get on the field. You know, and he may be that he may even be on the trade block because the kid that they drafted out of uh, out of Penn State, Rashid Walker, is playing really well at tackle. They've got a couple of guys behind Zach Tom and David Bakhtiari who are look. That's kind of what Miami need, isn't it? Uh, the ability to think that look, if the worst of the worst happens, if Connor Williams gets hurt, if Rob Hunt gets hurt, but most of all, if Toron Armstead gets hurt. It's not the end of the season, and that we feel like Smith maybe could play left tackle if you know Durham Smythe lines up, lines up outside him, or that Kendall Lamb could hold down the position, you know, with a little bit of help with a running back chipping and, and those sorts of things. But you know, we've got to get to that level. But do you feel like we're moving towards that? You're there every single day. You're seeing these guys every single day. Do you do you get the sense that maybe we're just taking some some small steps, but some steps re- nonetheless t- towards a position where if something bad happened, it might not be the end of days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, usually the way it works after the first preseason game is that as soon as the third quarter hits, you start watching what's on the field and you don't care too much. Uh, this year was a little bit different. Like, the, it was a little bit different. You watch Ryan Hayes in practice. First of all, he, he, he gets a lot of attention from coaches, from Toron Armstead, and you can tell that they want to spend some time there. There's an investment there. That wasn't that wasn't something that we had last year. Um, we know that Cedric Ogubwe, uh, I, I think I have that right. We know he can't play, at least not. At yeah, the he's team. not making the team. Not anymore. Uh, we know that Alama Uluave is not going to make the team and is probably not an NFL player, at least not right now. We know that Jerron Christian is here for for whatever reason. But uh, other than that, there's there's some sense of optimism that wasn't there before. We came into camp talking about I don't know who the hell is playing left guard, and now it seems like there are some options, and you can pick and choose. It seems like they have a guy that has favored nation status, like he's getting a little, like the fingers on the scale for him, let's just say. It seems like Isaiah Wynn is likely to win that job. He has that job right now. Uh, I would venture to guess that if they if they start all their starters on this game, in this game on Saturday, that Isaiah Wynn will be the starter at left guard. Uh, Liam Eikenberg has somehow taken some type of demotion uh, the last few days. And we know that Robert Jones put on good, pretty good tape against the, against the Falcons. And, of course, Keon Smith, the, the revival. Uh, Lester Cotton, his few snaps. So a lot, a lot of good came out of this game as far as optimism on that offensive line. Um, yeah. Where, Chris, where, where there wasn't gonna... anywhere else before. You know what it was, though, with, um, with you know, because obviously the offense wasn't good enough in the game, and we know that, mm-hmm. right? But I think the real issue with the offensive line in that game was that at any given time, we had probably two guys on there who just shouldn't be playing, you know? Like, and that that's the, the center who played every snap, or, you know, Cedric Agwe, or, you know, he the way he played was, was not very good. Jerron Christian, the way he played was not very good. Um you know there were there were some issues with uh, with James Tunstall that people have pointed out. Uh, so any given time, there were at least two guys uh, in that offensive line who couldn't really play. And and you know the the whole cliche about a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. Well, you know with that situation going on, no, of course the offensive line didn't look good enough as a whole as a whole unit. But you're not looking for that in the preseason. You're looking for the spots. And I think the spots were okay. Two things before we get off the offensive line. Uh, first is that, um, do you think that, I, I, I mean, I think we're all pretty much of the agreement that 
our best five will not be the five that take the field, as in we would probably all move Robert Hunt to right tackle uh, and play Robert Jones at right guard. But I suspect that's not going to happen. If they're going to move Hunt, they would have done it a long time ago. Uh, first question is, and just give me one name, if Teron Armstead went down, Alf, uh, God forbid, who are you putting at left tackle? I think they wanted Kendall Lamb to win that job, and I think he won that job very early early on in, in uh, training camp when uh, Teron Armstead, as he's wont to do, is he takes training camp more like a, an extended vacation. Like he's just out there with a bucket hat just watching, watching the action, and every once in a while he'll get a, a rep or two. But Kendall Lamb has been up there, you know, battling Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb every single day in practice and kind of holding his own. At least he's not getting embarrassed. And I think they wanted him to win that swing tackle job, and he won it. Uh, I don't think he has any challengers coming from behind. Uh, I think Kendall Lamb is the backup left tackle, the backup right tackle, and likely challenger at right tackle if Austin Jackson doesn't pan out. Chris, would you agree? Do you know he's 31 years old? Who Lamb? Yeah, he's he's Kendall Sheep. Then he's not Kendall Lamb. <laughs> we keep thinking like he's like a, like we even mentioned him earlier as like one of the young guys. <laughs> I mean, by the way, tough crowd when the Kendall Sheep gag got absolutely nothing. Yeah, that's, that is an all timer. That was, that was unfortunate. Yeah, that I blame not... I blame the Balaclava. Yeah, I would uh, Something needs to be blamed. Um, and then very quickly, uh, just literally, just give me your five names: left tackle to right tackle that will open the season, playing uh, against the uh, LA Chargers. Alf, uh, Teron Armstead will start at left tackle. Isaiah Wynn at left guard. Connor Williams at center. Robert Hunt at right guard. And Austin Jackson at right tackle. That's your starting offensive line and your first offensive line off the bench. At tackle and at guard will be Kendall Lamb and Robert Jones. Chris, yeah, I think that's uh, that's accurate. Although I, I, I'd hold the I'd hold it a little bit on the idea that Kendall Lamb is gonna, um, except maybe during a game where they can only bring so many up in the game. But I think Kendall Lamb might be the replacement left tackle. I'm not sure if he's the replacement right tackle if Austin Jackson misses a couple of games, for example. Um, there might be another one. I don't know. Uh, so I, I think that you could see Liam Eikenberg kind of being the backup at left guard, Robert Jones being the backup at right guard, Kendall Lamb left tackle, and then somebody else at the right tackle. You could see something like that. Right, let's skip it along to running backs. Obviously, no need to talk about the top guys, Moster uh, and Wilson. Uh, obviously, Shelv didn't play. What were your takeaways, Chris, on uh, young Devon A-Chain? I thought that he he showed um, a lot of you know a lot of great things that we're going to be really excited about. Um, I kind of wondered. I got the feeling through camp really that that they wanted Raheem Mostert to uh, to take a bigger role in the passing game. Um, perhaps he's a little bit more reliable. He's certainly speedy enough for it. Uh, but you know what did we see in the game? We saw that uh, A Kane is is dynamic in the passing game. You know he he can you, you want to get him the ball that way. And look what could be hit as well, held on over the middle. Yeah. You kind of you really want to see that. That big hit over the middle, and, and he's just held on. I mean, you don't want him to take too many of those because he got injured or something. But uh, but yeah, I mean, that was that was really good. That was really promising. Um, and it actually makes you kind of wonder if down the road they might, you know, if he could be considered. Um, if it's not working at running back, you know, taking all of the carries and being a load carrier that way, you know, could he really work, work at wide receiver down the road? Mm-hmm. Who knows? But um, but I think that as far as carries are concerned, there were quite a few carries where I just didn't feel like he was very patient. 
I felt like he was not running to daylight, you know, that, that he was, um, that he was not, he was not showing what you want, uh, if you're going to give the guy 15 carries a game. Um, but it was the first preseason game. And for all we know, that could be corrected by like this week. You know, this is yeah. the, that's how, that's how fast these things move sometimes. Um, quick but word. yeah, I thought, good and bad, but yeah. Quick word on your favorite Miami Dolphins running back, uh, Miles Gaskin, oh, the, um, <laughs> The Phoenix from the Flames, Lazarus. You know this guy. This guy constantly. This guy will pester me till the end of my days. He will be on the Miami Dolphins. Uh, you know, in in thirty years from now, and and I'll just be cursing it the whole time. He'll but be in the uh, ring I, you know, t- to be honest, uh, he had a great run in the game. Like that that run, that big run that he had was. There's there's no taking anything away from that. That was a really great run. And that's his mo to me is that um, you know uh, every now and then he busts out a run that's not just a big run in a yardage sense but actually like a really talented run, and um, and then he just does uh, absolutely nothing else for the next twenty touches, and uh, and that's that's kind of where he's been for years and why I've not liked him that much. But um, you know if he's going to start turning it on now and doing that more often, I'm all for it. Uh, Alf, a quick word on a guy that uh, one of our friends, Matt Waldman, uh, if you don't know Matt, he's a great sort of draft analyst and uh, kind of young players once they graduate into the NFL analyst uh, and does a lot of really good work. You can find him on Twitter at Matt Waldman, I think. And Matt is a big fan of Christopher Brooks, the BYU running back, 6'1", 219 pounds. He's got some carries and actually looked pretty good. What, what do you think in terms of, because we do have a lot of small, I mean, Jeff Wilson is a bigger guy, but actually he's not nearly as big as perhaps you you think in terms of when you look at him and, and how he runs, but he's not actually, he's only about 205 pounds, Wilson, but Brooks is a much bigger guy and a guy that we don't have. And I do remember, uh, and I've said this before on the podcast, but I do remember that when we spoke to uh, Zach Evans, the kid out of Old Miss at the Combine, he was asked whether or not he could run like Leonard Fournette. And it feels like the Dolphins don't have a Leonard Fournette runner. Now, Leonard Fournette is on the market, so it may be that they actually signed Leonard Fournette, but what what say you on a big running back like Brooks being somebody who can move the chains? And what did you make of his performance against the Falcons? Well, I love this forward lean. Uh, that's uh, you know a, a lot of guys talk about you know can you get that that third and one that third that fourth and one? We and, miss that as well, don't we? We miss that. Yeah, we just weren't very good at it last year, and some of it was play calling. Let's be fair about it. Uh, they just didn't call too many runs. They called too many passes. Uh, I don't think in a snowstorm in Buffalo on third and one you want to throw a pass behind the line of scrimmage to Durham Smythe. I do not think that that's an optimal play call. Uh, you guys remember that play. Uh, but Chris- do you think that having a Christopher Brooks on the practice squad who gets called up in a, to play in a snowstorm in Buffalo to convert some third and ones and fourth and inches is a smart move for a team like the Dolphins, who historically, certainly over the last year or so, have had an issue in those sorts of situations? Yeah, and, and they can surprise us. They can keep four or five backs, okay? And they can, and I don't think that the entire league is clamoring to take Chris Brooks from you unless we're going to give him 30 carries in the last preseason game and he's going to have 170 yards rushing, okay? So I'm pretty sure that they'll they'll cool him off a little bit uh, here going into the, the season. And he's a guy that might find his way onto the practice squad and he could be useful at, on the back end of the, the room and probably get a call up in, in one of these games. Or if the third and one and fourth and one issues persist and they just decide, you know what, we're just going to need a bigger back with a good forward lean like Chris Brooks. I think he's the only guy. 
Uh, oddly yeah. enough, uh, Devon Achain has a pretty good forward lean. Uh, for whatever reason, Raheem Mostert, he doesn't run people over, but he's slippery. He's just, he breaks tackles. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Wilson There's not does. much diversity, Chris, as Alf was saying, is there in that yeah. group in terms of, you know, Wilson is a bit more of a power player. But actually, Mostert, A-Chain, uh, Ahmed, and Gaskin, to an extent, are very much slip and slide running backs, aren't they? And, and certainly the first three guys have got a lot of speed, a lot of foot quickness. There isn't much point of difference, and it feels like you know there might be an opportunity for somebody like a Brooks or somebody of that ilk to come in and you know maybe be the fourth or fifth guy, especially if they can play special teams. And for Christopher Brooks, that's going to be key, isn't it? Can he make some plays on special teams to help him make the roster? Yeah, absolutely. But um, but keep in mind that that's if they think like we think. You know, they think like uh, like like most of us think because that's very logical for us um but i also know that these coaches uh don't tend to like specialists you know they don't uh, I, i'm at the running back position i should say um so i you know it, the fact that they all kind of look uh similar to one another might not be might be on purpose um and and it makes me wonder if they'll if they'll actually bring on a guy because he's he can be our guy in short yardage and uh, when that's not like that's not how they'll they like to call the plays. Um, but I will say the thing that I'm more worried about, uh, because I do think there are short yardage options. I think coaches just have to be smart about it, um, is the pass protection. Because yeah. all of these guys are slight. You know, even our big guy, the guy who plays big, you know, who plays with, uh, like, ferocity. You know, that's that's Wilson. And he's 205 pounds. And, uh, and, and that's... Look at the game. If you look at the game, there's a point in the in the second half where it's a third and long, which Skylar Thompson constantly kept ended up in these third and longs. I almost felt bad for him. Um, there's a third and long. You got late developing wide receiver routes because you're trying to convert the third and long. And of course, there's going to be a blitzing linebacker. So there's a blitzing linebacker, and the running back was a chain, and he has to take care of him. Well, he was a speed bump for the linebacker. And of course, Skylar Thompson uh, took the sack because uh, you know there's too much pressure, and he didn't have enough time to uh, to get the ball out to those late developing routes uh, to try and convert the third down. And and I think that you know it's not a chain's fault. You know he's <laughs> he is what he is. He's small. He he might be he might he might play you know bigger than he is, but he's still as big as he is. Uh, the same is true with Mostert. The same is true with Jeff Wilson. The same is true with Savon Achman and and Miles Gaskin. Who's going to be back there protecting that quarterback when you need those yards? You know what I mean? Like, there's going to be times you need those yards, and and you know who's going to be the guy? Who's going to be the guy that can uh, that can protect them? Is it going to? I mean, are they going to have to put? Are they going to have to put uh, basically Alec Ingold back there? You know, that's the question, and um, and that's my concern. Uh, I know I've got to go to break very quickly, so I do I do want two really tight answers here, please, if you can. Um, uh, the first one to you, Chris. It feels like uh, the tight end is we're waiting for one cockroach to emerge out of the the ashes of the end of the world. That cockroach will be Durham Smythe. Uh, it feels like there are no other cockroaches left because the paucity of talent is not amazing. What did you make of Elijah Higgins, who probably will make the team because of his draft status and his kind of upside in terms of his athletic ability? Better blocker than he has a right to be as a wide receiver convert in his first training camp. Um, but at the same time, you know, he had penalties. I think there's there's a strong possibility 
as a young player, he, he doesn't know quite what he's doing yet. And he's got a long road. And, and so we're stuck. We're a bit stuck. And Alf, Eric Ezukanma, who sort of turned into a little bit of a Debo Samuel clone with a couple of kind of reverses and picked up some yards, especially on that second run. Uh, he was outstanding blocking down the field. I really did, in the highlights I saw, I did notice that his blocking was really, really excellent and obviously an absolute um, you know, front and centre in terms of what the team are looking for um, in the run game as somebody that can block. So what do you make of Ezukanma and where do you see him currently in terms of the, the stack, the stockpile of, of receivers having added K, uh, Keiki Kute yesterday? Well, he has uh, Wes Walker's endorsement, which is the, the first battle. So that's one. Okay, so he has that going for him. Uh, now what he has to get you know, going for him now is that the, the mental game. Uh, you want to see him play with the first team, meaning uh, at least Tyreek Hill. Um, it's kind of obvious that Jalen Waddle won't play on Saturday, but you want to see him with Tyreek Hill and probably Robbie Chosen on the outside. You want to see him play in the slot because that's where they're training him on, and I think that that's what they want him to, to do. That's what they want him to contribute. So I would say, yeah, uh, you know, arrow up on Eric Azukama. Of all the wide receivers, uh, the one guy that you can see actually become a new shooter on this year's team, that's the one. Uh, the one on the way out that seems to be having a terrible camp is Cedric Wilson. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Eric, Eric Azukama is the one guy that I think, out of that whole group, is going to be the, guy, the new contributor to the offense this year. You're listening to Three Yards Per Carry, brought to you by, amongst others, um, SKD Studios, uh, brought to you by uh, Prize Picks, and brought to you by somebody else, because my phone won't open, uh, which is really annoying. Uh, brought to you by Better Edge, and by SKD Studios, and by Prize Picks. Uh, I'm Simon Clancy, Alfredo Artiaga, Chris Kaufman here, as always. We are going to break. Chris is transferring from Rikers to San Quentin, and when we come back on the other side, we will talk about the defence after their performance against the Atlanta Falcons, and we will briefly look ahead to what will happen on Saturday against the Houston Texans. Join you back in a sec. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim? Are you dealing with water, mold, or fire damage to your home or business? Are you having trouble locating a five-star rated general contractor that is fully licensed, certified, and insured? If the answer is yes, then Water Cleanup of Florida is here for you 24 hours a day. With over 60 years of combined experience, Michael, Robert, Jorge, and their team is prepared to handle any size property damage disaster. When an unexpected damage occurs to your home or business, you need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida understands the impact and stress an unexpected disaster may cause. Their objective is to make the cleanup and insurance claim process painless and hassle-free. Water Cleanup of Florida is also a licensed general contractor, so they provide the A to Z service, one-stop shopping that business homeowners and business owners require. 
Water Cleanup of Florida is now an authorized dealer of Eurocraft cabinets, so premier kitchen, bath, and laundry cabinetry, countertops, and other accessories are available for your viewing at their showroom in Boca Raton. Or, do you prefer to shop from your home or office? Then Water Cleanup will send you one of our design specialists to you with samples and products that fit your style and budget. Call Michael anytime on his personal cell phone if you have any questions at 954-579-0356. That's 954-579-0356. Or visit their website at wcufl.com. You can follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And please check out their more than 80 five-star reviews on Google and Facebook. Water Cleanup of Florida. If you have the schmutz, they have the guts. I'm Jalen Phillips, and you're listening to 3 Yards Per Carry. Welcome back to 3 Yards Per Carry. I'm Simon Clancy. As I said before the break, brought to you, I'm not brought to you, the show is brought to you by Prize Picks, our friends at Prize Picks. Use the promo code 5 to get a $100 match bonus on your $100 deposit by Better Edge. Go to betteredge.com and literally get $20 of free cash just for signing your name. And finally, by SKD Studios. Shop designer, furniture, lighting, accessories and more online at skdstudios.com forward slash shop. Also, don't forget our Discord chat. We're, we're broadcasting live to our Discorders. Uh, good evening to all of you, uh, as well as those of you downloading uh, by the regular po- uh, podcast platforms. The Miami Dolphins lost their first regular season game, uh, regular season game, their first preseason game to the Atlanta Falcons uh, in a very close game, which then turned into a massive blowout in the last few minutes. And um, before we get to the defense, actually, just a quick word on special teams, because obviously with a lot of churn of the roster, um, where do you feel like, obviously the, the, the kicking game is sorted, the, there are no battles, Bailey and, uh, and Sanders, both uh, former All-Pros, but in terms of those players who are making tackles, those special teams leaders, the guys that are going to be the, the hardcore does feel like we're a little bit light maybe on on some of the tacklers and some of the guys you know you have a Channing Tindall and Duke Riley but Keon Crossan's hurt and Justin Bethel's been you know you need a few guys to step up on special teams otherwise it could be a, a bit of an issue and it certainly was an issue against the Falcons the other night with the return touchdown yeah I would say I would say that that explains a little bit about what's happening with Jamal Perry because he's taking Keon Crossan's place and a lot of those special team snaps uh they brought in uh Mike Rose Mike Rose I keep telling everybody, man, if you look back at his history in pro football, he's played in at least four special teams units everywhere he's been, and he played on five special teams units because he was on the the kickoff um, on the field goal team in the USFL. They keep adding guys at the position, and on that punt return at the end of the game where the touchdown came on, um, a lot of those, a lot of the tackles missed, and. Our head coach, Mike McDaniel, kind of made an excuse for it. He says, look, you know, sometimes you have guys at the end of the game that won't be there when it actually matters. Uh, I'm sensing that there was a few guys on there that they actually wanted to train on to play on those units because I saw Malik Reed out there. And mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe they're churning that group and they're trying to find the correct groups, but this is a new concern that we didn't have before. And there was a few guys that were having moments early on in camp that are not having them now, namely uh, a Bryce Thompson. Trill Williams has played special teams before. He has not been on those units. So maybe he'll train on there. So, yeah, this is this bears watching, uh, watching the, the rest of camp and to see if, especially in these games, if they give up anything else. Because, yeah, it's an issue, and you never want to see that in any preseason game. Chris, uh, we have had uh, between us uh, some jokes, I suppose, at the expense of um, Clayton Fedulum over the last couple of years uh, in terms of 
some of the limitations perhaps that he's had. Great special teamer, just talking about special teams, a great core special teamer, um, but not necessarily a guy that we wanted to be on the field. And I think teams have sort of seen that and have taken advantage of that over the, over the years. We obviously have a pretty strong secondary, uh, certainly safety with Javon Holland, but also uh, returning Brandon Jones, especially with what he can do close to the line of scrimmage. Deshaun Elliott, who we all liked in Detroit. But just just for, for those people that aren't fully aware, just talk a little bit about the performances of Elijah Campbell, because it does feel like Elijah is going to be the sort of next man up after those three in terms of getting on the field. He seems to have had an outstanding camp. Um, but but what what is he? What sort of player? What style of player? Uh, what have you seen out of Elijah Campbell that makes you feel like if he has to take that Clayton Fedulum, that sort of fourth string safety role, that he can come in and, uh, and perhaps do a better job than Clayton did? Well, keep in mind that uh, Brandon Jones is working his way back, but also Brandon Jones is admitting that um, he's kind of saying it in an optimistic way. But he he wants to he wants people to see what he can do with in space, you know, deep. Uh, he doesn't play as much deep. You know, we know that he's been at the line of scrimmage a lot. We know that uh, he's a blitzer, um, and uh, he's kind of a kind of a Patrick Chung uh, like player. Um, but I think that Elijah Campbell is basically that, and so he's his backup. If you look at the game, um, they only went to dime defense one snap during the entire game. But who was who was uh, you know the dime player? You know that was that was Elijah Campbell. He was he was up uh, you know at the line. He's not a he's not a, a backfield um, defensive backfield kind of guy. I think that he works uh, closer to the line of scrimmage and uh, and he can be you know star or money uh, one of those positions from the old Nick Saban playbook. Um, so I think that uh, that's the kind of player you're looking at. You're looking at kind of a more of a closer to the line of scrimmage guy. It's not that he's a box safety. You know that's not like he's another linebacker it's just that he is he is a guy that you can play close to the line of scrimmage get get in blitzes and and just every way that you thought of brandon jones probably and he's his probably direct backup so um and he will make the team i think this year and uh and i think that um you know he might even get a chance to play a little bit yeah alf sticking with guys in the secondary sort of unheralded safeties one of the guys that's been making some noise over the last week or so uh, kind of local DB, Oxbridge Academy kid. It felt like he was a roster long shot, but actually, you know, he's been making a bit of noise. And that's that's Keydron Smith. Where do you where do you see him? And similarly to to Elijah Campbell, how do you for for listeners that don't really know uh too much about him, what have you seen of him and and do you think he has a shot of making the team? Uh I think he has a shot of of backdooring the, the roster. Like I think that's a possibility. Like he could get back onto the practice squad. Um, his first bad moment with me was when we interviewed him as he was getting onto the bus to go to the airport. Uh, finally got a measure of him because you watch him on the field. Uh, I guess it's just the padding. He wears uh, larger pads and he wears thigh pads and he wears hip pads. So he looks like a bigger safety. And he, is yeah, he looks at, like Lewis Oliver, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks like he's at 6'2", you know, 220 pounds. But then you watch him, you look at him uh, up close and you're like, whoa, okay. He's very, very thin, very rangy, long legs. Uh, you know, good, like, I would say a sleeker athlete. He's not a, a like a big safety in the traditional sense, while Elijah Campbell is, okay? Well, Elijah Campbell is barrel-chested, big arms, big thighs. He's a big, he's a bigger-looking safety than Kedron Smith, Smith. But there was a, a time where, and most guys don't do this, even at this level in the first preseason game in the fourth quarter, where he was 
a factor on four consecutive snaps from a deep safety position. Like, that's hard to do. It just is. And he's been doing that all camp. So I think he's a victim of the numbers here because I think they have some NFL players here. Like, I believe they have legitimately, I'm looking at even Miles Dorn had some good moments. They have some NFL players at safety. I think he's going to be a victim of the numbers, but this is a guy that you, that I, I'm certain they're looking at and they're saying, you know what, we're bringing him back, and he'll be in camp next year, and he'll be on the practice squad for this season. I think uh, he's done enough to get a very, very long look. Do you think that's going to carry – with Campbell, though, Alf, do you think that's going to carry when they get to the, to the, to the regular season? Like, you know, because – because last year, the, the way that he was used, you know, was it was it was a little bit, little bit more clear, and I think that, um, you know, I think that's sort of his home base uh, of what he's going to be. And and right now they're kind of cross training him. They're they're lining him up some deep, deep a little bit just to see if he can do it. Um, do you see that carrying? Like, do you do you see that actually? Like, you know, getting getting into the season, they they're, they're going to do it that way. They're going to put him back at free safety. They're going to put him back at left safety, right safety in deep, deep situations, or do you see him back, you know, back in the, in the mix in the uh, line of scrimmage, kind of a, kind of a nickel dime kind of guy. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm especially when I watch a training camp and I watch a practice, I'm a big coach watcher and there's two guys that have ultimate authority on this team. And that's of course the head coach and uh, Vic Fangio. Okay. Yeah. And especially over the defense, Vic Fangio is coordinating very, very tightly with Ronaldo Hill and Sam Madison, especially in the secondary, whenever they do third down installs. There's a guy that is always standing right next to Vic Fangio consistently. And that is either Deshaun Elliott or Elijah Campbell. And those guys are taxiing in and out. As you see a line start forming behind Ronaldo Hill with Verone McKinley, Trill Williams, Kedron Smith, Bryce Thompson, Miles Dorn, as they try to get reps, uh, sometimes coaches do actually are tipping their hand as to their favorites when they're doing install. And Elijah Campbell seems way too involved to just be a fad at this point. I think he's a roster player. I think he dresses against the Chargers, and I think he plays against the Chargers. Chris, I talked earlier about the impact of Butch Barry and some of those younger players and feeling a little bit more comfortable about offensive linemen. I, I just want to give you a, a handful of names from a position, and I just want that you can kind of make comparisons with the offensive line and just give me a couple of of those names in terms of how you felt they played against the Falcons and and your kind of feelings on them moving forward. So we start with the rookie Mitchell Agood. We have Cameron Good, who we drafted last year. Uh, Aubrey Miller, the undrafted free agent, but uh, a really good player at a smaller school. Garrett Nelson, who had a, a, a good early sack. Um, and then Mike Rose, who I've mentioned just a minute ago from Iowa. Just pick a couple of those players that you thought, actually, you know, there's... The, there's something here to work with, and that may be a Rose, or that may be an Agood, or that may be, you know, one of those guys, but who did you who did you feel like, you know, did themselves a, a favor in the game at the weekend? Yeah, I think that um, I think that Mitchell Lagood is has probably been. Uh, you could probably say he's been turning some some heads a few times. Has he had a good training camp. <laughs> well, it, uh, uh, better, better better than good, better than Cameron Good. Yes, yes, <laughs> um, yes. so. But uh, I, I think that uh, I think that he's one guy to watch. Um, you know, it's although it's interesting on that punt return. You know, so you guys mentioned it before. Uh, Mike McDaniel's like, well, some of these guys aren't going to be playing. Well, yeah, but three of the guys that missed tackles on there 
are, are guys that you might be looking at in, in the roster because you know Malik Malik is one of those guys Malik Reed um, and Mitchell Lagood and uh, and and Mike Rose and Mike Rose is here like you could plug him in and get him on the fifty three man roster as a uh, special teams player like immediately you know that's that's the kind of player that he is and he's also you know has the benefit of being a six foot four two hundred and fifty pound linebacker that they um, that they could sorely use uh in the middle of the defense um so you know those guys will have to shape up from a special team special teams standpoint but i i do uh i do think that um agood has has a good shot here um and uh you know aubrey miller is is a guy that i i i like i i want to see it you know i want to see him step up and and be a playmaker i think he's got a great body i think he's got um you know good temperament uh, but he needs some opportunities, I'll, and and that's where I'm going to be looking forward to you know games two and three to see uh, if Auburn Miller really steps up because I I really want him to step up. I think he he has potential. So um so it, it'll be interesting to see that. Alf, before we get out of here, uh, my biggest concern about the team actually is the lack of depth on the interior of the defensive line because any injury to Raekwon Davis, to Christian Wilkins, or to Zach Sealer and this team is in serious trouble. What was your, and I get there are about to be 1,200 players released um, from different teams as they start to cut down from 90 to 53, and there will be players potentially to bring in, whether that's guys on other teams at the moment or guys um, who are, you know, Lin Val Joseph or Akeem Hicks or Andama Kinsu who are, out there and in shape and ready to go, but probably didn't want to go through the turmoil of, of training camp. But of the guys that are on the roster currently, uh, and I, I look at guys like Brandon Peely, and you look at you know a Twyman and a Deshaun Hand and a Randy Charlton and a Josiah Bronson, etc., etc. Again, same sort of theme as with the linebackers. Anybody standing out for you in that game against Atlanta that you think actually probably deserves a bit more PT as we head into the Houston game? Well, I've been watching it ever since he was signed, but uh, they seem to have identified a player for the roster, and I think he already made the team, and that's Deshaun Hand. He's been flashing every single practice. He had, he played well in the game. Uh, Jalen Twyman is another guy that I think just made the team already. Okay, Jalen Twyman is the type that is just lucky. Sometimes guys like this just come across every once in a while and they just you know they're just lucky they're always Johnny on the spot they always make the play that is actually you know the play is always made for them and they get credit for it he had two sacks in that game against Atlanta the second one he got he got a little bit overzealous and got 15 yards for it he's like that in every single practice on 11 on 11 now granted he's going against second teamers so it's a little bit different but he's always Johnny on the spot. He's always making a play. He's vocal, which is something that you want to see, which tells you, okay, you know, he's not nervous at this level. He feels at home. Uh, his body type's a little weird, okay? Uh, I'll, get, I'll get to that. He, you know, he's squat. Uh, he's not what we've been used to at defensive tackle. You know, he has, a, he has that three-tech body, but he makes plays. And I think that they found two. I'm not sure about Brandon Peely. I believe Randy Charlton has been a, a disappointment so far in camp. He just hasn't made many plays. Josiah Bronson flashed early in camp. He's kind of been invisible since. Uh, Brandon Peely is on the bubble, but we've talked about this on the podcast many times before. I think this is a guy that, you know, you could you could find a backup to Raquan Davis pretty close to the season. But I think that they found two guys for the unit in Jalen Twyman and Deshaun Hand. 
And I like them both. I think both have performed and both look good in that game. Does feel like it's trending towards bringing in at least one more player on that defensive line. I'm not sure I agree about Twyman, and I think Peely. I think Peely has a shot. I, I, I do think Peely has a shot. Look, before we get out of here, one last question for you, which is: What are your expectations? What are you hoping to see, both of you, uh, over the next couple of days with the practices, and then in the game against the Houston Texans, um, from a sort of a micro and a macro point of view? Chris, you go first. What are you looking for um, out of these? Uh, uh, these um, back and forth with the Texans. Well, I think that pretty soon they're going to have to get off and get off it and actually, um, you know, show us show us glimpses of what we saw um, offensively last year. I, I I appreciate the experimentation. I appreciate that they're trying to um, they're trying to make sure that they don't uh, go completely in the tank if just because Tyreek Hill leaves the field or just because J- Jalen Waddle leaves the field or Teron Armstead, or uh, Tuatunga Valoa. Without any one of those four players, um, the offensive efficiency just, just dropped way down uh, last year. And, uh, and they're trying to do that again. But they also need to, to give, us, give us some glimpses of, and say, you know, hey, this is, this is still a, uh, a top-tier offense in the NFL. Um, so, so that's mainly what I'm looking at. And believe it or not, like, I, I, I tend to think that the defense is, is, is getting set. You know, it's just I don't know if it's just the the blind optimism with Vic Fangio, but I mean, they've shown up throughout camp and they've shown up even in that first preseason game against the uh, the Falcons with all the all people sitting. Um, I think they're sound there. Uh, And and I I don't believe that a top level offense just suddenly forgot how to be a top level offense. But at the same time, you're going to start need to see it pretty soon. So um, so that's what I'm looking for. Alf? I completely agree. I think uh, Wednesday and Thursday and that Saturday game is kind of important because I think you're going to see who who is where in their minds. Uh, I would expect for them to just settle on an offensive line this week. So the starting offensive line on Saturday should be the one that you see against the Chargers week one. And I would like to see a pecking order in the wide receiver core uh, begin to form. Okay, We know that Jalen Waddle will, will not play on Saturday. At least I don't anticipate that he'll play. Uh, so Robbie Chosen has had a good week of practice. He has a lot of chemistry with Tua Tungabaloa. Start him opposite of Tyreek Hill. Make them, you know, give Tua some static targets to put up some numbers this week on Wednesday and Thursday. I hope to do some game sim, and I hope that they go deep into the second quarter uh, against uh, the, the Texans on Saturday because I'm certain that they won't play at all the third preseason game against Jacksonville. On defense, man, I'm, I'm – I'm with I'm with Chris. I think that they're kind of set there. Um, now the the injury that Cam Smith has taken, which is probably going to keep him out of action for the for the next couple of weeks at least. Uh, although he's he's stretching every day in practice, and I understand and I appreciate that everybody keeps posting pictures of him with a helmet and him sprinting up and down. Well, he doesn't have an injury with his legs. He has an injury, uh, upper body injury, and if you notice, he's not doing any football things such as tackling or even catching the football. So. Since he is going to be out for the next two weeks, it's obvious who's starting in his stead, and that is Noah Benogany. He's had a great camp. Um, I'm itching to see that first-team unit uh, play on Saturday, and I would like to ask both of you one thing. This is a conspiracy theory that's making the rounds on Twitter, but it was also making the rounds in the beat. Christian Wilkins has had a very quiet four days, not participating in any, any tackling, any contact, and not too many. Uh, he's participating in all the installs, but he's not doing too much eleven on eleven work. 
Does that mean that 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 contract is imminent, Simon? I think he's probably banged up. You think? Um, uh, I think uh, from a um, educated guest point of view, I think he's a little bit banged up. Okay, Chris, you got? Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't make much sense to me that he would just that they would they would dial him down because the contract is imminent. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't think that that's. Um, if anything, you know, a lot of times you see these guys have like a real set of ball out practices to just kind of, you know, just rub it in their face. You know, hey, this is what you're getting, and right before, right before that contract gets um, gets agreed on, and and you know, Adam Schefter uh, comes out with it, or Ian Rappaport, or somebody like that. Um, you know, I, I don't see I don't see the logic, and and uh, he's he's quiet and sitting for four days because he's about to sign the contract. I, I'm, I'm more agree with Simon here. There, there could be uh, there could be a little bit of banged up, um, you know, kind of injury issue uh, that that's not being advertised. Oh, there we go. Thank We're you. settled one, one conspiracy theory that's making the rounds. There we go. Thank you, gents. As always, look, three yards per carry has been going, I don't know, eight, nine, ten years. We appreciate the fact that you tune in every week. And listen, and yes, I'm talking to you out there. Thank you to our uh, OnlyFins community for listening this evening and also for being part of that community. If you'd like to join, then you can go to the 3YPC Twitter account and the pin tweet will tell you exactly how to do it. It's very easy and it's a great community of people. Thank you, obviously, as always, to our sponsors. If you want to sponsor us, then you can either get in touch via uh, the 3YPC Twitter account or via Alf, Chris, or myself, myselves, myself, whatever. It's one ten in the morning uh, and I'm beyond proper English. But if you'd like to sponsor us, then please get in touch. Uh, you know how to do that. Uh, and thank you to our sponsors, as always, to Prize Picks, to Better Edge, to SKD, and to our new sponsors as well. Thank you for listening. Wish you were back next week to down uh, to dig into what happened with Houston, what happened in the practices. Uh, and all across uh, OnlyFins, all week, we will be digging into exactly what happens with breakdowns, game breakdowns. I'll start the college breakdowns later this week. Uh, all sorts of things going on on there. So if you want to be part of that community, do please join. But thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast. This has been Three Yards Per Carry. Thanks for listening to Three Yards Per Carry. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.